for a special edition of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. As part of the Tabletop Showcase, the guys interview the designers of Catan and Catan Starfarers, Klaus Teuber and his son Benny. Welcome to a special episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 185. Nothing is going to stop us now. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. And Tony, over the past almost seven years, we have had some amazing designers on our show. We've had people like Rob Davio, Eric Lang, Martin Wallace, this past year, Stefan Feld, Ignacy Chevichek, and probably more that I'm just totally forgetting. But we're excited today to have on this episode, Tony, what I consider is probably one of the godfathers of board game designers, Klaus Teuber, who's the designer of Settlers of Catan, or just now Catan. Yep. The plane is fueled up. It's ready to go. We got to get on board so we can get over to Essen to interview him. Is that what we're going with? We're going to act like we're at Essen? We're going to act like it. They're going to, <laughs> we're going to pretend that, that we're there, that we're interviewing them, that their crowd noise is in. Life is good because they took time out of their busy schedule at Essen to talk to us. They probably were like, really? We're giving up valuable signing time to go meet our fans, to go talk to these guys who we have no clue who they are. Yes, this episode was recorded in a very short window that they had available at Essen. They were in a very busy, loud room, and uh, we were able to get a decent connection in. The wireless connection was kind of spotty, but we were able to sit down with them and discuss about Starfares, which is part of Tabletop Showcase, which is premiering this week with a lot of other fantastic content creators. And in this, we're going to be talking to Klaus and his son, Benny, about the history of Catan and Starfares itself. So bear with us as we had this interview, and there may have been some, I don't know, Tony, maybe some uh, language barriers between uh, uh, Klaus and ourselves, who speaks very good English, but sometimes, Tony, when coming from us and we're using Southern accents with uh, quirky terms, he may not exactly follow what we were saying. It was challenging to say the least, but we thank them for taking the time. Uh, we feel like we got a lot of good information. There was, uh, We wish we could have had them on longer because there were a ton of questions I wanted to ask. We all know that it's the modern gaming uh, launching point for people. You know, there's all these Catan tournaments. We have our qualifiers here in uh, the Charlotte area. There is a ton of following behind this game. My wife still loves to play it today. Yeah, Tony, here's the thing. Starfares is nothing like the other Catans. I mean, sure, it has a little bit of similarities and stuff, but it's a totally different style of game, has a different feel, and we'll share more of our thoughts after the interview. And with that... I'm sure you're all tired of hearing us. Let's go talk to Klaus Teuber and his son, Benny. We are so excited to have on this little podcast, one of the biggest designers in hobby board game history, the designer of Catan, Klaus Teuber and his son, Benny. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. <laughs> Hello, here's Klaus. Tony, I'm fanboying over here. Fanboying because... Settlers of Catan was basically the game that got me into hobby board gaming. I, gentlemen, I went out to the internet years ago. All right, so what's all these games people are talking about? Which one should I buy? And every time I did a web search, Catan was the, the game that came to the top of the list. 
So I said, well, that's the one I got to get. And then, you know, over 10 years later and seven years of podcasting, I'm here because of y'all. So thank you. <laughs> We're very flattered that you have us, guys. And it's, it's a pleasure that this was 10 years of history and you have us. It's a pleasure for me to meet you. <laughs> so we'll jump right into this because we know you guys are at Essen right now. And are you having a good show? We had a fantastic show um, so far. We had a lot of uh, good presentations. We're um, having Starfarer as the relaunch, uh, which we did 20 years ago and now in the new version. And uh, it's, it's a good show. Always crowded, uh, but always very lively and, and a great experience. Tony, before we get started, I've been wondering this. It's asked constantly. What is the official way to say C-A-T-A-N? A Catan is the official uh, way to speak <laughs> it out. Catan. Okay. All right. So there, there's my first official question. Tony, go ahead. So my next official question is, how has the board gaming community changed since you started going to Essen? Also much bigger when I see the 70s. And look back to the 70s, um, we had here in Germany uh, perhaps 100 new games a year. And um, yeah, now uh, about 1,500. So um, there was a very, very big uh, development. And uh, we had a lot of small companies. We had uh, a lot of different games. Uh, I, I think uh, there was a big change. So you started going in the 70s. Now, I did a little bit of research here. I actually did some homework. You studied and worked uh, as a dental technician in your dad's lab, I believe. So as you were getting your, your degree in chemistry and going into that profession, you were a gamer. What inspired you as a gamer to try to get into designing a game and coming up with this particular game? At the first time in the 70s, I, I played a lot of games with my family, with uh, friends. It, it was never my wish to develop a game, but uh, once a day I, I read a book. It is the Riddlemaster Trilogy from <laughs> Patricia McKillip. And uh, I loved this book, I loved the story. And when I finished uh, the book, uh, I was a little bit sad to leave this wonderful story, this wonderful land had. I, I tried to to stay longer in this world of this book. And so I had an imagination what would be great to have a game and uh, to experience this story in, in a game. Uh, not the whole story, but um, a part of the story. And this was the first uh, idea I had for a game. And um, I worked on this game for five years and never uh, thought uh, about um, giving it to a company it was only my hobby, and um, then later I, yeah, I recognized okay, I could send it to a company, and I did, and this was Barbarossa and the Riddle Masters, published in Germany '88. So it starts. Um, I found it wonderful to create little little words of. of gaming words, uh, not words, uh, words <laughs> of games and um, in each start of a game development I had a story in my mind and I tried to experience the story. So with Barbarossa, it was your first game that was published. Does it still hold a special place in your heart? Yeah, it has and uh, 
I am very glad that um, this game was republished uh, four years ago as uh, Knetzel in Germany. Dodels and the USA. Uh, in, yeah, sorry. In Germany, Knetzel and in uh, the US is Dodels. Dodels. <laughs> After that, and you started working on Catan, what, what was the goal? Was the goal just to, hey, I want to create a game, or did you want to create a game with a particular experience or, or certain ideas in mind that you wanted to make sure that you had so then people played, they were socializing or cooperating or working with each other? I mean, what, what was the ultimate goal of uh, Catan? It was also a story behind Catan. I love to read about history, um, and uh, I read a book about the Vikings, the explorings, and um, yeah, the, the, the big, big discoverings of uh, Iceland and America and so on. And in my imagination, I thought oh, would would wonderful to be a settler uh, like the Vikings and to find a new land. And what to do on this land? Uh, we need uh, trees for houses. We need uh, wheat to over over life and um, all these things. And so I start to develop a game of um, discovery and settlement. It was a very very huge game. Big, big, <laughs> too big. And in the second um, conception, I reduced it to settling. And uh, later, I made an, another game with the theme of discovering. And the third uh, conception after that, then further development was then Settlers of Catan. So from Catan to Starfarers, how did you make that transition? Uh, Starfarers... Uh, was uh, the same idea at least but it was not Iceland or America to discover it was the planets and um, the big big and large uh, space <laughs> that's also a story which fascinates me and also to um, meet people um, aliens and to show that aliens must not be um, uh, evil. If they overview, survive their, their own culture, they could be only friendly. And so this was a little bit also a message of the game. When we first played Starfarers a couple weeks ago, I was just expecting Catan in space, but it was nothing like that because you introduced these things called event cards that every once in a while these events would occur where you read a card to the person who's going to be affected by it and they have to make a decision. Where did you come up with the idea for that? Because that is what made the game so unique for me and made our entire game group love it so much. Yeah, um, it's um, a part of um, Star Forest that you discover um, planets, but also it's a part that you meet uh, alien people. And uh, you have several decisions. You should have several it, it is, um, decisions. This was my idea. Uh, and so I created these cards that you get one task and then you have to um, um, try to find the best way how to answer questions of these cards. It was a, a story element, um, and <laughs> the first idea for that, yeah, I don't know when I get this, uh, 
but it was um, had its roots in the story. Well, it's brilliant, plain and simple, brilliant. We loved it, and we love some of the interactions that it caused in our game. Uh, Benny, how much playtesting did you get to do growing up? A lot, frankly, but it never <laughs> felt as playtesting because um, Klaus made it very clever. He only asked me to play something um, when he saw that I was in the mood for it. So he'd never say, like, sit down and play and have fun. That uh, wouldn't work for a game. Um, so uh, I think I did a lot uh, without knowing. Benny, I heard in an interview with Klaus that you and he are very competitive when it comes to Catan. And there's a disagreement on who's ever the better player. Do y'all still play uh, the game today a lot and is it still very competitive? <laughs> We are, in a, in a very friendly way, of course. There's a lot of uh, noting who is leading currently um, to the other players, um, but that's, uh, that's in, a, in a friendly way. Th there is one thing that Klaus always said, it's when you develop a game, um, you actually don't win so much because you're thinking about how to improve the game. And I always thought, I don't think so, I'm, I'm just pretty good. <laughs> and, <laughs> Now that we uh, co-develop games together, I do realize that um, while test playing, you think about how to improve the game all the time. And um, then you actually do not play so well anymore. So we're pretty head-to-head -head now. From the 1999 release of Starfares to the 2019 release, how much has changed in the two versions? Um, yeah, we, we speed up the game. We have some um, changes. And we made it wearable, that means that you do not know which planets um, are on special places. You have to, to discover them. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't change the whole game, but uh, we made little, little uh, changes to make it much more interesting and um, to speed it up. And uh, also we had much better material. Now we have rockets uh, where um, some pieces will not broke. Uh, we have very, very fine uh, material and um, also Franz Hovingel, the illustrator. 20 years ago he uh, illustrated the first uh, Star Wars and now the second version. And you, you see he, he made a great development in his um, art. I like the aliens and um, the, the different characters. He, illustrated uh it did a wonderful work i know that starfares the original is one of the most sought after games because it was so hard to find and people are super excited to get it back on the table and i got to say with the refinements that you've made this game does not feel 20 years old and that's what's just so amazing about it it has really stood the test of time uh to still have that you know a current uh board game feel even though it was done 20 years ago did you find that uh this was one of your most requested re-releases of Catan uh over the years and that's why you decided to okay let, let's go back to this game and bring it out again yes it was definitely and uh, this was the reason that it was republished now because uh, a lot of people uh wishes uh, it, it back and um um, to have first good material now and um, yeah 
That's uh, a bad news, no? That's what's the reason. Absolutely. We, we got a lot of tickets in our ticket systems. Uh, it almost sounded <laughs> always like, uh, please bring it back and make the motherships not break anymore. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we've had a chance to play uh, with those ships. Those ships are, are great. They're a great piece to add to a game uh, you sit there and play with them and you add bits and pieces to them y'all did a really good job re-engineering those ships they're they're amazing thank you very much it's um it's the, the thanks is due to our uh, great editorial team uh, frankly of uh, katan studio and cosmos our partners um they did an amazing job in creating these um motherships yeah thank you very much um, and uh, i want to say also benny um, and i develop all the games since five years together he had also a part in uh, star father star but it was a, um, a game which had existed uh, so there's only one only my name on the title above the title but he also had a big uh, part in uh, make it better so you mentioned Catan Studios. How big is Catan Studios? How many people work there? Seven. Seven people right now. Just seven produce all those expansions to Catan? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Benny, does your brother still work at Catan Studios? No, that's actually Catan GmbH. So we have, um, it's Catan GmbH, that's Klaus and Guido and I, and our head of digital, Arndt. And then there is Catan Studios, and that's our uh, American partner. Okay. I was trying to figure out wh if there were the two separate ones. Very good. It's quite a complicated company structure for us. <laughs> <laughs> and Marty, I learned something. I thought the studio in Germany was GmbH, but it's not. It's, that's the same as an LLC. I was like, oh, okay. See, so we've, I've learned something from this beyond just how Catan came to be. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you sat in on the interview today then, Tony. I know. So, so just out of curiosity, so obviously, uh, Klaus, you're known for, for Catan. Do you ever get like to the point, it's like, yes, I've done Catan, but I've done other things. Do you ever just want to like say, okay, I I'm ready to do some other style of games and do something different from Catan? Do you ever get tired of working on t Catan and want to do something else? No, I'm not tired. <laughs> um, um uh, last year, together with Benny, we made uh, The Rise of the Inca. Uh, and it was a wonderful experience to make this game. Uh, it's um, a kind of, with you as a kind of game, a Catan game with new mechanics. And uh, we made the legends of the sea robbers, we made the legends of the uh, conquerors, and each of these games uh, we developed uh, were fun. And uh, we hope we have. Um, also future ideas for um, other uh, kind of uh, challenges in the world of Catan. So you mentioned uh, you're constantly working on expansions and different versions of, of, of the game. And there's been different flavors of the game that came out. For example, Fantasy Flight Games came out you know, with a, with a Game of Thrones uh, version of it. Do you have your hand in every version of Catan that comes out? Or do people just approach you for the license... And then they'll take and make their own like version of it. Oh no, absolutely us. So it's it's always Klaus and I uh, who start uh, with the development of the game, and uh, we would never give that away. So the, the the core creation is always with us. And then when it's more like, matured and, and ripe to be tested, we go to um, extended groups to play tests. But um, the the start is always with us. Here's the thing, though. I guess y'all know this too, because you probably make sure you keep your fingers. 
you know, on the pulse of all things Catan. You know, for years ago, it was released on the Xbox video game console, which I used to play. Um, it's coming out on the Switch, which was just announced in the Nintendo Switch. How does it feel now, this game that you made decades ago, now coming out on all these video game devices where now you can play, like, online with friends and everything? Yeah, the, the first version, the digital version, was published in 1999 uh, by Ravensburger Interactive in Germany. And in the first years of the 2000 years, we... Uh, made the Catan online world. Also, there you, you could uh, play digital versions of Catan. Now, today, it's uh, Catan Universe. So, we had from the end of the 90s um, development of digital games. But I think it never replaces the board game, right? Like, it's, um, it's always a, um, an addition to it, like an alternative. Maybe the next best one, if you don't have your friends and family to play the, the analog board game, then you'll sit down and, and would play. What Benny said, if, if you have no opportunity, no friends, no time, and the right time, and then you can play it digital. And another big um, uh, help for uh, board games is uh, to learn it uh, by apps, um, by learning by doing, um, which we had in our Katana app. And there are many people who may not play board games who find this on the Xbox, the PC, the Switch, etc., who will play it and like it so much, and they go buy the, the you know the actual board game, the physical version, to play with their friends and family. So it could bring them into the hobby because it does exist as a video game. I'm personally not so aware of numbers of how often that's the case, but um, I, I could imagine so. Yeah, I think the tutorials are well done, and maybe some people find their way to the analog board game um, through the digital one. Absolutely. Now, one thing that's very important to our fans here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and we, we ask this of all developers, designers, publishers, what type of lawnmower do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I had an electrical one. <laughs> do, do you still mow your own lawn? <laughs> yes. Most most people don't. Yeah, I heard a yes. He does. I, I see it each Sunday. <laughs> but I live in Frankfurt and I have a very small garden. It's just five square meters and I have an, um, a hand one, uh, a mechanic one. That was the burning question that our entire audience was wondering. Yeah, but if they mow the yard... What do they mow it with? And we have some other burning questions, gentlemen. As always, with anybody that ever comes on the show as a first-time guest, we have a game that we like to play with them called Rank'em. Now, in Rank'em, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a list of three items, and we would like you to rank those in any order that you want, then explain why you ranked them that way. For example, we might say vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate, and you can rank those however you want, blessed flavors of candy or ice cream, etc. So, do you all understand the rules of this very simple game? Yes, I think so. Okay, here we go. First one, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Audi. Rank those however you want. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, then Mercedes, because my grandfather um, was a, a car trader, or like traders with cars, and uh, and when I was young, I uh, drive with him in his old uh, old-timer Mercedes, and I love this tours. 
<laughs> All right, Benny? My dream car has always been an Audio, uh, Audi Cabriolet. Therefore, that's clear number one for me. Then my parents drive a BMW, and I, I drive it sometimes, so I guess that's number two. And then Mercedes is, in Germany at least, <laughs> for the older folks, so it's number three. There you go. All right, Tony? I'm right there with Benny. I, it's going to go Audi. Love the designs and lines of the Audi. Then follow it up with a good old BMW, then Mercedes. I'm going to have to go also Audi first. I'm going to go Mercedes-Benz second because there was this thing back in college. That we had a rival university, and it seems like all the people out uh, over there, all they do is just drive BMWs, and they're real snooty. So I've always looked down on BMW owners. <laughs> no offense to anybody. It was just an old, old college thing. All right, so thanks. Tony, you're up. All right, gentlemen. Uh, transitioning to a different topic, Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Hulk. I like Iron Man most, I have to say. It's uh, maybe due to the last uh, movies and, and the great actor. Uh, the options of him are um, what he can do is just it's the best movies. <laughs> and then very close second is Spider-Man because I, like, that's like more of a, what it's about, like how he got to power, uh, like his powers and how he uses them like in a very fair and moral way. That's, that's really intriguing. And then the Hulk never really caught me, to be honest. So that's my number three. I, 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 I don't met uh, all these guys. So <laughs> I think you haven't watched all the movies. Yeah. Thanks for throwing in a pop culture question, Tony, that uh, somebody may not be really into and just throw them off, okay? Uh, so for me, uh, I'm going to have to go... Uh, let's go by cartoons. Uh, I like Spider-Man cartoon the best. And then there was the really bad versions of like Iron Man and, and Hulk in the 70s, but I liked Iron Man more than Hulk. So Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk. Okay, and maybe... Klaus may not know the pop culture, but Benny obviously does. And maybe I'm trying to get him to think about a Catan Marvel Universe crossover. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. Especially since you're working with Asthma Day, who has the license to Marvel. Hmm. Tony, could we be on to something here? I, I'm thinking I am. I could just I could see the, the Star Fairs. I could see the Avengers universe. I'm seeing a whole line here. Well, thank you for the inspiration. There you go. <laughs> Keep it in mind. So, and Marty obviously knows mine because we talk about it often in Spider-Man. And then I go with the Hulk and then Iron Man are my, my three. And well, you, as Benny says, Spider-Man just from the backstory. All right, here's this last one for me. It's going to be three countries. Rank them however you want. And I'll tell you why I listed them. First, New Zealand, Australia, Finland. And the reason why, New Zealand is known for lots of sheep. Australia is known for lots of iron. And Finland is known for using lots of wood in their power generation. Benny, you want to rank those first? I was lucky enough to travel Australia and New Zealand. And the New Zealanders are just one of the nicest people I've met in my life so far. So this is... Um, this has been one of my favorite places in the world, uh, closely followed by Australia. But it would be unfair to the Finnish right now because I've never been there. So, uh, frankly, I can't give you a, a real ranking there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think uh, my favorite is New Zealand because uh, I saw a lot of wonderful films um, were made in New Zealand. Then Australia and at the end, Finland. <laughs> But it's also a wonderful land, too. I'm going to rank them on what could kill you there in Australia. 
has the most deadly things. So Australia goes first. Then New Zealand, those hobbits will, will put a whoop on you like nobody else. And then I'm not sure Finland's a threat, but they could be. I don't know. And then for me, it's going to be, let's see, well, New Zealand, because that's where Lord of the Rings was shot. I think you made reference to the movies. And uh, then Australia, just because of all the cool, deadly animals, which is why I don't know that I want to ever really visit there. And then uh, coming in third is uh, Finland for no reason other than it was just behind the other two. I can't relate to that. <laughs> and, and gentlemen, before we let you get back, we got one more for you from me because um, we want you to go have fun at Essen. But my last one is the obvious. Sheep, wheat, wood. Wheat, because it's for me the most important resource in Qatar. Uh, um, you need it for development cards, you need it for settlements and for cities. And without wheat, uh, yeah, without wheat, um, it's very hard to win the game. I'd say uh, uh, no wheat means defeat. That's that's a classic. So it should be number one. And then uh, wood for sheep. It's so inter intertwined that you know. <laughs> it's, it's two and three in the same place <laughs> Marty? I'm going to go with the experts here and do exactly what they said so wheat, wood, sheep and for me I'm basing it on how easy it is to get warm from these things so you can burn wood wheat can keep you warm if you thatch a house with it but you have to shear a sheep to get its wool. So for me it's wood, wheat, sheep Wow, Tony, we actually played Rankum with the designers of Catan. Can you believe it, man? I can't believe they stayed on long enough to do it. <laughs> they're like, okay, they're like looking at their watch now and says, okay, we really got to go. And actually, we do need to wrap this up. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time to uh, come on the show. I'm fanboying a little bit, like I said, Catanas or Catan. I asked the question right at the very beginning, and I still said it wrong. Catan's one of the games that got me into this hobby, so thank you so much. If it wasn't for your, uh, you and your family, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about this game today. I wouldn't be playing games with my family and friends. I probably wouldn't have a podcast. Uh, so thank you so much. Tony, final uh, fanboy words over there? I'm turning the lights off on rolling dice and taking names. We've done it all. <laughs> That's it. We've reached the pinnacle, right? We have peaked. Gentlemen, enjoy Asin. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us, guys. It was a pleasure. Okay, Marty. So... I could have probably kept going for another few hours. I wish we had the time, like I said, but you know, we got to play Starfarers and I did have an epic fail when I named this. For those who don't know, I always name the episodes after rock songs, classic songs, whatever I can ha come up with that fits what I think this episode is about. And I should have called this Benny and the Jets, but instead... <laughs> <laughs> missed opportunity oh my gosh i mean i got it nothing's going to stop us now by the group starship yeah and nothing's going to stop rolling dice and taking names we've we've hit the big big boys we we gotta get alan moon and i'm telling you man we can turn the lights off on this show so so <laughs> nothing's going to stop chats. us now <laughs> oh my gosh that would have been perfect oh well starfares when this comes out this will be on i'm gonna cut to it will be on my shelf Oh, it's already out, Tony. As the release of this episode, it is now in retail and available for purchase. Tony, I was totally surprised by this game. I mean, I, I enjoy Catan. As I said, Catan was the... I've said Catan twice differently right there. 
Catan was my gateway game. It's And seriously, I did Google searches. It's like this kept popping up to the top. Let's check it out. It got me into hobby board gaming. And there were some expansions I really like. Cities Nights, I just love. Love that expansion. So when I thought Starfares, okay, it's just the same game. And in space, Tony, like you said, it has a totally different feel. I like how you have to launch out of the planet from your spaceship to go explore then if you can are able to establish a, another port, then you can go from there and launch your ships and continue. I love the fact that the board is no longer that hexagon, that you are actually get the feeling of traveling through space. And well, they're still made of hexes. They are. That's okay. Yeah, that's fair. But the board itself is not. Yes, that yeah, that's that's right. It's made up of hex spaces with modular planets and tiles, so the boards give different every game. Right, and then some planets are unexplored, or you don't know what's there, what numbers are there. That right there, that when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's it. This is the game for me. And the fact that you upgrade your ship, so that big ship that you have, you put upgrade components on it that makes it easier for you to go further out into space. It makes easier to you go colonize planets. It makes easier for you to set up trade uh, routes and everything with the foreign uh, with the with the foreign aliens. Okay, that was weird. <laughs> with the aliens that that are out in space on the further end of the board, so you're constantly trying to upgrade your ship to be able to do more things with it. But Tony, the thing that just took it over top for me, and I think for all of us that played, are those oh, events. Here it is. Here it is. The what event is it, cards, right? Event cards. Oh, those were so much fun. I, I was kind of hesitant with them, but you've been approached by pirates. You have a choice, A or B. What do you do? Oh, you chose B. <laughs> well, let's talk about what's going to happen now. <laughs> and here's what happens. Any game that creates an epic moment, it will live for you forever. And that's what Starfarers did for us when we played it with Nate and Mark from the Scurry Report. And Mark was on the verge of winning. And he had an event card come up. And that card took away his victory. <laughs> it, it, it upset Mark, but it made the other three of us really happy. It was. Because it was funny. Because we saw it coming. All of us are going, Mark is going to win. And there was like no way that we can stop it. And so he had to shake up his spaceship and the balls fall out the bottom. If a black ball shows up, we're drawing an event card and he draws it. And what's I love about these event cards, Tony, like you said, it's like you approach pirates. You have choice A or B. Sometimes the A is good. Sometimes the B is good. There, there's really no, you can't deduce which one's going to be better, right? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of luck of the draw. He went with the one that he thought would be the safest choice and it ended up costing him the victory, and the, the whole table just died laughing, except for Mark. It was just an experience I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, and once again, nothing's going to stop us now. Nothing's going to stop me from this win. Oh, yeah, it will. There it comes. Here's the event card. Bam. It's gimmicky with a spaceship with the little balls in it to shake them up to see what's going to happen. But you know what? It was fun. And that's what a game should be. And, and to me, it reminded me, as we're playing, it reminded me of the Crossroads cards in Dead of Winter from Plat Hat Games, where every turn you draw a Crossroad card, and if it triggers, then you resolve that card. I actually like this better because when an event card is drawn, you will read it. Lots of times in, in with the Crossroads cards in Dead of Winter, if the event didn't trigger, you just put it back, back down on the deck. And lots of times, you never even read the Crossroad cards. Here... Event cards were constantly coming up, and it constantly changed the flow of the game. And people may think, well, that just adds an, an element of luck to my Euro. 
It does. I agree. But you know what? Thematically, it's just fun. It just created a fun environment. The board is big and gorgeous. You got these nice chunky bits that you're moving around and playing with. The ships and the spaceports are all nice. It looks great on the table. It's just a, it's just a fun experience. And if somebody says, I want to play Catan, I will definitely say, can it be Starfarers? Oh, yes. And oh, um, and Marty, refresh my memory because it's been a few moons since we've played. As you progress up the victory point track, what was it that you were limited to? You, you don't get to draw as many resource cards at the beginning of your turn. So you're sitting there, you're thinking, okay, uh, yeah, I want to advance. But I think to me that keeps that runaway leader from occurring where on the you know regular time you're rolling dice and then suddenly the cities kick in and all of a sudden you got these ton of resources and you're like oh man i'm gonna wipe the floor with this here i like that aspect of it i like you know there's this this kind of pull right there of how your resources are being limited when you come to that um as you develop get more victory points i just like the hall drawing resource cards in general because you remember with the regular Catan, you didn't get resources unless your number was you know came up here mm -hmm. you'll get resources if you're if the dice roll is nice but also at the beginning of your turn you'll get to draw some but then like you said tony as the game progresses you those automatic draws are less and less but then, of course, by the, the, the trade-off is, well, by then, you should have a lot of planets populated, which should help generate resources anyway. I just, it makes the game go quicker. You know, lots of times in regular Catan, it's a very slow build. Here, right out of the gate, you're doing stuff. You don't have to mm -hmm. wait to get the right resources to get stuff going. You can start turn one. One of the cards that I have, it gave me the ability to warp or jump gate out to a planet where no one else was kind of helped spread out the board as well. Because I do think that at the beginning of the game with us all at the bottom of the board, that we would be fighting with one another. Uh -huh. So that kind of alleviated that for me. I don't know how you felt about that. Did you feel like, like I got to race to this planet to be Nate and Mark? I don't know. I mean, obviously some of the planets still have the, the really attractive numbers, right? So if there was a planet near us with the eight or six, you know, you wanted to get to that one because that's the number that's rolled more often with two dice. So I saw those as valuable, but not maybe as much as I did in uh, Catan. Because in Catan, you know, if you were hurting on a particular resource like ore or brick, you were scrambling for it. But again, in this game, it kind of takes care of it because you automatically get to get some cards at the beginning and you may get what you need. And the, what you're talking about, those special abilities, is when you set up those trades with the alien factions you could pick up their faction cards and get a special ability that's in play the rest of the game, which just totally changes how you play your particular game at that point because those faction cards may make things cheaper for you and that may change the strategy that you have over the rest of the game. You wanted those. Oh, yeah. So for me, this game is one that I think I will enjoy getting to the table more and more, learn more about it. The ability to bring the variety to the exploration of the space by putting out the planets. Now they do have a setup, recommended setup, but after that, all bets are off. Yeah. It's all random at that point. Yeah. And they, and again, they have, um, in the game, it's like here for your first play, do this and a regular Catan it's that way. They give you a sample layout of the board for regular Catan. It's the same here, but then after that, it's just random planets, random numbers are placed out there and then you're off and running and it's easy to learn too. It's one of those things. If you've played Catan, the concept is still the same roll two dice, collect some resources after that. Uh, then it's, you know, how, you know, what do you do with those resources? And a lot of that's basically upgrading your ship to be able to do attack better, move further, etc. Now I will say one thing. This game is not a cheap game. 
over at Miniature Market right now, you can get it for around $80. Uh, normal MSRP is around $100. But you're getting some components, Marty. You're getting a lot of stuff in that box. It's a hefty box. So if you're thinking you're going to be picking this up for like you would a normal Catan game, uh-uh. You're not going to do that. This this game will hit your wallet. Just keep that in mind as you're as you start looking into that. But I, I'm sorry, it is worth the experience if you enjoy Catan. I picked up the Brotherhood of the Night's Watch version that I have. You know, I picked that up really cheap. It took a uh, I got it on sale. Enjoy playing that. This one. I would go full price on this. Yeah, and it's one of those things that the the inserts are really nice. Uh, it's one of those games that uh, you don't really need to buy a special insert because once you open up the box, you can pull out just the individual plastic inserts and just play straight from there, which makes setup and takedown a breeze too. All right, well, thank you for all listening to this special edition of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Please leave us your comments. Be sure to visit us on our Board Game Geek Guild, uh, 1589, if you get the opportunity. Tell us what you think. If you get the opportunity to go play the old version or this new version, tell us what you think. If it's worth the investment, Marty and I are always open for comments, aren't we, Marty? Yeah, and if you want to find out more about Starfarers, don't forget this is part of the Tabletop Showcase Week. And if you want to see other content, you go check out tabletopshowcase.com where you can learn how to play the game. You can learn the history of the game. You can learn strategies of the game. It's all out there. The content's there. We're the only podcast because you really don't want to see our faces. But if you want to see the game in glorious high def video to see what all these components look like and how the game plays, it's out there for you to consume. Tony, I can't wait to play this game again, man. It's one of those experiences that honestly, over the past three or four months, when I think of board games I've played and memories that I have, I go back to that one thing with Mark, drawing that event card and just totally messing him up. That was just, that was so much, that was so good. And that may turn people off, but it really just reset, rinse and repeat, and you'll be having another amazing experience from that. I mean, the event deck may, may, but people may say, Hey, I don't want that event deck. Guess what? It's not that bad. This one just happened to hit at the wrong time. I don't see it as a negative at all. To me, the event deck makes the game. Oh, yeah. You just got to realize that you're going in that there's an element of luck there with the event that can totally change the course of the game. Just know that going in and just have fun because that's what you're supposed to have when you play games. Exactly. So thanks for listening and our signature sign off. Keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the show, you can go to our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names, Instagram Dice and Names, or join our BGG Guild 1589. Join us next episode. We'll have special guest Ignacy Chevichek come on to talk about Portal and Stronghold Undead. Well, Marty, the only thing that I can think can stop us is if we play rank them again with a well-known designer <laughs> yeah. and it falls flat like that one. Yeah, I don't think he was too in, uh, impressed with our, our rank them game. So, Tony, maybe you and I should just stick to podcasting and stay out of game design. I couldn't agree more. <laughs>